we begin tonight by thinking about the Holy Spirit, which makes sense given that we're looking at the gifts that he gives to Christ's church. So let's start with that verse that I often mention in relation to the Holy Spirit. This is an absolutely incredible truth. Words that Jesus speaks to his disciples soon before his death, recorded in John's gospel in John 16, verse 7. And it's part of that farewell discourse as it's described. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples straight before he goes to the cross and then before he is risen and returns to be with his Father in heaven. And because these are his final words to the disciples, these are the things of first importance. These are the truths that he really wants to leave with them and leave with us who are followers of Jesus today. And he says this incredible thing. He says in John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, or that can be translated advocate, in other words, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I want you to imagine the scene in which Jesus speaks those words. Because that wasn't a lecture that was being given. It wasn't even a sermon that was being preached. Jesus was amongst friends, his followers, the disciples. And there were, they were absolutely broken. They were heartbroken at the thought of the Lord Jesus leaving them. And yet Jesus tells them, listen, it is actually for your good that I'm leaving you because unless I go, you will not receive the Holy Spirit that I've promised. And it's as if Jesus is saying, it is better for you to have me living within you than walking alongside you. And that's a great truth for us to hear as followers of Jesus today, because, of course, we do not have the Lord Jesus walking alongside us physically. We do not have him present here physically and seen by us tonight. But we are told by Jesus, it's for your good that you receive my Holy Spirit. And so over time, we have thought about the ministry, the work that the Holy Spirit does in the lives of believers and what it is that he does for the church. And we thought about that recently at the beginning of the year when we had one of our spiritual booster sessions. And remember that the Holy Spirit convicts. That's his essential first work, that you will recognize your need of Jesus by realizing your sin. And then he comes alongside. That's what that word really means that Jesus uses in the Gospels about the Holy Spirit, that he is the, the comforter, the advocate who gets alongside us. He comforts and assures when we have doubts. He teaches us the truth, and he ultimately points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is always the role of the Holy Spirit, to point us into all truth, 
to bring us into all truth in Jesus. And during the next six weeks, we're going to take time to think about how the Holy Spirit equips us to live for God's glory. We sing, in my life, Lord, be glorified. In your church, Lord, be glorified today. How do we do that? Well, we're going to consider the gifts that God gives to us by His Holy Spirit. And I realize that when we use that very phrase, the gifts of the Spirit, that that can be, in a way, quite contentious amongst Christians. And the, 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 the sad thing is, if we get bogged down in the controversies and in all of the debate about what people describe as the gifts of the Spirit, well, then we risk m missing the central point about the gifts of the Spirit and why they are given to us, what it is that Scripture tells us about the gifts that we are given. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what it is like when you receive a gift, when you get a present. And when you receive a gift, you can do one of two things with it. You can keep it and use it for yourself, or you can share it with others so that they will benefit as well. So last week, in one of my sermons, I was talking about some of the things that I got when I was younger at Christmas. And I remember one particular year when I got a computer, a Commodore 64, and I thought this was the best thing ever. I probably exaggerated slightly the need for a computer for the, the computer studies course I was doing in school. Really, it was all about the games. Let's be honest tonight. Games that took about 15 minutes to load up and maybe only worked one and every five times you tried them. But I still thought this was great. And of course, my natural inclination when I got this and when my brothers were looking on was to hog this for myself. And sometime on that Christmas evening, I remember either my mom or dad saying, Philip, this might be your present, but it is for everyone. It's for the others to enjoy as well. And in actual fact, it was more fun when my brothers were playing along too. And it seems to me there is a, a fundamental misunderstanding when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. That when we think about this subject, we tend to think of them in a selfish and ultimately unscriptural way. That we think these are my gifts for my good. These are to help me in my Christian life. And so the central lesson for us tonight is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the good of the church. If there's one takeaway from tonight, one thing that would just be embedded in your mind and would seep into your heart, it is that truth from Scripture. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for me and my benefit. They are for our benefit, the good of the church, the body of Christ. 
And with that in mind, let's first of all take a quick look at the list of these gifts that Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians 12. If you look at verses 8 to 10 again, and I'm not going to read back down through that list, but hopefully you can see that list either in your own copy of the Bible or put up here on the screen. And there are a couple of really important things to say about this list that appears here in 1 Corinthians 12. Number one, and this is so important, it is not an exhaustive list of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. This is not an exclusive list that this is all that the Holy Spirit does and gives to the church. But rather, this is a particular list of relevance to the argument that Paul is making in the course of this letter to the church in Corinth. And the really big point to come from this is that there is a great variety of gifts in the church, but they come from the one source, God's Holy Spirit, as Paul then tells us in verse 11. If you look at that verse again, he says, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. They're all coming from that one source. And then the next thing to say of importance is that there is much debate about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed here and their place in today's church. And I'm going to nail my colors to the mask here this evening in what I say about this. And, and I follow a line of, of thinking of many Reformed theologians and teachers, both past and present, in believing that many of the gifts that are listed here by Paul were apostolic gifts. In other words, they were gifts given by God's Holy Spirit for the apostolic church, that church of the first believers. And we have thought about that church of the first believers when we took a long time to look at the opening chapters of Acts. And if you can remember back to what we were reading in the book of Acts, then you come to understand why that particular church would have needed these specific gifts as the church of Jesus Christ was being established. So these were gifts given for a specific purpose at a specific time, and as such are not gifts for today's church. Now, I realize that many Christian brothers and sisters take a different view, including maybe some here this evening. But the view that I'm expressing is one that I'm entirely comfortable in presenting to this church, given that we are a Reformed fellowship. But having said that, let me stress, that does not mean, not mean cannot move as he pleases by his Spirit, because he can and he does. And if anywhere should know that, this place, this village, this congregation should know that as we think of 1859 and all that. And that does not mean that God does not heal today, for God does. And I have been able to see that at first hand. So, given what I've just said, 
then is this passage really something that we shouldn't even be dipping into tonight in the course of thinking about serving the Lord? Well, let me stress, and let me restate the two central things that we need to learn from these verses. The first is the purpose of these gifts, and Paul puts it like this in verse 7. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the good of everyone. And then let's remember the source of these gifts. Verse 11 again, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He determines them to each one just, or sorry, He distributes them to each one just as He determines. And so tonight, if we apply that to here in Connor, or if you apply that to the, the fellowship that you belong to, if you're visiting with us here this evening, what this means is that the gift or the gifts that you have been given, they're not for your benefit, but they're for the, the benefit of those around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ in this congregation. And what this means is that there is absolutely no room for boasting or for pride. Because after all, this is God-given. It's a gift that comes from the Spirit of the living God. And so to really sum up what we're hearing here within this passage, here's how the, the Christian writer involved with the good book company, Carl Lafferton puts it, he says of this, your talents are not from you, and your talents are not for you. Do you see what's being said here? These things come from God Himself by His Holy Spirit, and they come not to make you look good, not to elevate your position or my position in the life of this church. They come for the common good, the good of your brothers, your sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we begin to think about this, we're going to watch another clip from the Prepared to Serve material. As people begin to tell their stories, as people in Presbyterian congregations, much like our own, begin to talk about the opportunities that they have to use their gifts for God's glory. So, I think we're going to, to watch this now. Thank you. 
We're going to look at just a, a few more verses, and we're going to look this time at Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read verses 11 to 16. So Ephesians 4, if you want to look up this passage, and this is a, a passage where Paul is talking about unity within the body of Christ and the role of the Holy Spirit within all of that. So Ephesians chapter 4 and let's hear from verse 11 to verse 16. This is God's Word again. It was He that is the Lord who gave some to be apostles, 
some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. We're just going to take a few moments to think about a couple of the things that Paul is saying to us in God's Word there. This is further important teaching by the Apostle Paul about spiritual gifts and why they're given to us as Christians in our lives. And we've already heard from 1 Corinthians 12 that spiritual gifts are given for the common good. And I think we get that by now and we understand that. But what is this good? What is the good that Paul and Scripture is talking about? Well, two things that Paul talks about here that he longs to see in the Ephesian church and which need to be present in our church and in the church today. Two things unity and maturity. First of all, if you look at verses 12 and 13, there Paul talks about unity. He explains that these gifts are given, look at what he says, so that the body of Christ will be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, I want us to pause for a moment and really think about this. I want you to think about the nature of unity because there can be a false unity within and between churches, a unity where we pretend that we all believe exactly the same thing, and sometimes we overlook the fact that we actually believe fundamentally different things about Jesus and the core things of the faith. And how can that possibly work? How can there be a real, authentic unity when people have such divergent views about Christ? It simply cannot work. That is not true unity at all. Because true unity is God-given it is Spirit-generated. And this unity comes about when we share the same beliefs about Jesus, when we recognize the truth about Him as God's Son, and we come to believe in Him and know Him. 
And so that unity can exist here in Connor. When all of us come to submit to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And only the Holy Spirit can do that, and He does that, and He does it well. He changes hearts. He changes lives. He changes how people see Jesus so that they put their trust in Him. And we're able to see in this passage the way in which the Holy Spirit brings about this true unity in Christ. He does it by gifting people for particular roles in the church so that the Spirit equips some to be apostles and evangelists, those who share the gospel, the good news of Christ. And then the Spirit equips some people to be prophets and teachers so that they will teach the people the truth about Jesus. And He equips some to be pastors so that they can encourage people to look to Jesus in their life, so that everyone comes to believe the truth about Jesus, and we are truly united in Him. And then the other thing that the Spirit is doing through the giving of His gifts, the other part of this good is maturity. If you look at verses 13 to 15, Look at verse 13 again. Paul talks about until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, we are to grow as Christians. We are to grow in our lives as followers of Jesus. We're to advance in our understanding of the gospel. And ultimately, as we discovered in our spiritual health check, we are to become more and more and more like Jesus, to be conformed to His image, to His likeness. So, tonight, I want you to see the great value of the gifts that you have been given. I want people to see the importance of the role that you have in this church, that what you would do here as the Spirit works in your life would lead to true unity in Connor and would lead to true unity in our relationship with other churches as well, as we come to believe and live out the truth about Jesus. And so that how you use your gifts for the good of others, will also lead to maturity. What an encouragement tonight for those who are engaged in all kinds of roles around this congregation, especially in, in teaching young people and little ones about Christ, so that we will all become more like Jesus. And that will make this a far better place. It will make our witness here in Connor far more effective. God has equipped you to serve Him. He's equipped you to live for His glory. He's equipped us to be the church that He has called us to be.
and are you prepared to serve? We're going to begin to reflect on all of this. And what I want to do is just highlight the book that accompanies this series and this course. And this book is available to pick up in the main hall and the tables. So if you haven't picked up a book so far, when you go in for tea or coffee tonight, please take one of these books and make use of it in the coming weeks. We are giving these books away to people rather than asking people to buy them. And we just maybe encourage people to think about how they use them. Maybe if a couple want to take one book between them, that would maybe be a really good thing. And I just want for those who have got the book and for those who will be looking at it later on to refer you to page nine and the things that you can be reflecting on and the things that you can be studying in your own time as will happen each week. So take an opportunity to read that passage in Philippians and to think about those questions and to apply that and to pray about that in your life and also to take the prayer points and to think about how God is using you and your openness to serving the Lord. And we're going to pray now and seek God's help. Let's pray.